Hi, everybody, and welcome to Mecha Dragon, a podcast about all the geeky and nerdy stuff you love. Brought to you by Captain Geek and the Dark Nerd. I'm your captain, Will. And I'm your nerd, Jess. Now, today we are talking WandaVision once more, specifically episode nine, which is titled The Series Finale. And it happens to be The Series Finale. Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> we are also joined once again by podcaster and horror maven Megan Salinas. Welcome back to the show, Megan. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. I just want to say that there's no place like home. Oh, oh. <laughs> I Indeed. see what you did there. Indeed. So we are going to react to and analyze this episode, uh, explain a bit of what's going on to the best of our ability, perhaps make some predictions for the wider MCU based on uh, how this show ended, spin a little tinfoil, something I like to do, (laughs) and uh, point out some evidence from the show that supports our wild theory crafting. So uh, we definitely have a lot to talk about uh, with this episode. So... Well, this I one, do... there's so much to talk about because this episode was so much longer than all the other episodes. I think it was several minutes longer than the previous one, which had been the longest one. I think we got about 42, 43-ish minutes of actual episode before the, you know, 10-minute credit sequence. <laughs> um, so, but yeah, I mean, we have a lot to talk about. I actually want to start with... Uh, which we don't normally do for the for TV shows, but because this is actually the series finale and we've gotten to see the whole thing at this point, I kind of want to start with, you know, what do you think about, you know, A, the finale and, you know, how you would rate the the whole series, you know, maybe on its own, but but certainly in, in the context of the MCU as well. Uh, so, Megan, can you just kind of give us your general impressions of the, the finale and, like, kind of how you rate the entire show at this point uh on a scale of what to what <laughs> on a scale oh sorry on a scale of uh one to ten on a scale of one to gary Busey. <laughs> what does that even mean <laughs> uh, jake Busey. i give this show a jake Busey. <laughs> no, um, no i i give this show a solid eight the I I really enjoy this, uh, and we we talked about this uh, a bit while we were watching the show. But I've been starved for MCU content, and it was I mean, I know that like the the <laughs> the whole point of the show is that retreating into nostalgia um, so that you don't have to confront your feelings isn't a good thing. But oh man, it's it's been so nice. Yeah, you can't you can't live in the past. Yeah, it's been so nice getting to sit into um in on the the world of the MCU again for a little while and um yeah, it's it was a delightful send up to many different eras of television and it it was a return to form for the MCU which we've all been missing since the end of Spider-Man and yeah, it was and it I think for what they're going for, it did a really good job of making me really excited for whatever is coming next. Um, but like, 
most importantly, it thoroughly entertained me for, you know, anywhere from 22 minutes to an hour every week um, Mm -hmm. for the last nine weeks. And uh, I got to, you know, put on my tinfoil hat afterwards and (laughs) um, talk about it with friends and, uh, you know, look and see what people online were saying. And uh, that was an experience that I've missed um, because it's been a bit since like the Mandalorian wrapped up. yeah, so, I have to say that I think the, uh, if I may interject for a second, oh, absolutely. Uh, the the weekly release schedule of these shows, I really enjoy. Now, look, love I love binging love as much as the next guy, but there's really something to be said for having that week in between to not only like sort of like think about it and, you know, uh, have your theories and talk to your friends about it, but like the fact that everybody's on the same episode for a week, basically. Oh, yeah. As opposed to when you binge it, you know, some people watch it all like in 24 hours. Some people take like three months to watch it. So you never know where somebody is. So I feel like it's harder to have these type of like fun conversations with people about it. Yeah, it's like it's like when they release the whole season at once. It's like you wake up on the day it's released and you turn on Facebook or Twitter or whatever. And someone like, Oh my God, the ending of that show is so crazy. You're like, dude, (laughs) I haven't even seen the first episode yet. Yeah. Yeah. I I prefer the weekly thing. I would take a weekly show all year rather than wait, you know, for a movie every six to seven months. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm, I'm really happy. You know, and this goes back to a show lost, uh, which <laughs> I think you're familiar with, Megan. Never heard of it. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, that was one of the great things for me about that show, too. And I think it was, you know, I don't know if it was the very first time, um, you know, because occasionally shows before then would have like a cliffhanger ending or something. But right. that's when I really in, like first had this like community experience of like, oh, my God, we got to talk about this show, you know, in between you know, the episodes week to week. So. Yeah, it certainly wasn't a, the the first mystery show out there uh, because like Twin Peaks was out before it. And right. even though it was more episodic, you know, the X-Files also preceded it. But what Lost did um, at the time that it came out was really at the point where um, the internet was becoming more ubiquitous. And so yeah. people could connect a lot of dots and could have that very communal experience from people all around the world, not just um, not just your your coworkers when you stand around the water cooler. Um, and, yes, and I it's feel not like, like that's, it's not like oh, the X Files back in the '90s where you watch a show and the only people you can talk about it with are the people in the room. You know, because <laughs> back then the internet was just <laughs> coming mm. along. You're like, oh my god, what if? And now we have a platform for these what ifs to explode globally, and you get a whole like like you mentioned, uh, will a community, and it it does change the whole dynamic of the feeling of the show and the approach of the show. And I think it's great. Yeah. And, and that's what's been really enjoyable about WandaVision is getting to not only just enjoy the show on its own merits, but then getting the communal internet experience reacting to it. And again, I think there's a lot of catharsis in that because clearly we're not the only ones that were starved for Marvel content, <laughs> right. given that like Agatha all along shot to the top of the iTunes charts, Crazy. Um, you know, yeah. things like that, like, uh, we we got this really large scale communal experience with WandaVision, and regardless of whether you were disappointed with it with the finale, you know, 
I I very much enjoyed it and I very much appreciate the the fun ride that it took me on and I can't wait for more MCU stuff in the future. Amen, sister. Amen. Amen. So so Jess, what what are your sort of general impressions of, you know, of the of the finale and, you know, how do you rate the show, you know, 1 to 10 uh, you know, now that you've seen it from from beginning to end. I mentioned before that when the show first came out, I had done no research. I hadn't read any of the comics. I didn't know anything that I was going to see. And after watching the first episode, I was like, okay, well, I guess I got eight more weeks of this to sit through. (laughs) And as the show developed and grew, it became fantastic. And I've brought up the Babadook in reference to the show a number of times because the first time I watched the Babadook, I was watching it with my eyes half closed and I didn't really understand the story behind the, sh- the scenes. I, I, I couldn't pick it out. And they did something very similar in this show in it's, you know, not about superheroes in this weird world after Endgame. It's also about emotions and, uh, you know, coming to terms with grief and finding yourself and, and finding your strength again and watching this show after understanding you guys kind of beat it into me that Baba <laughs> Duke bullied you. I was bullied into liking this show. Um, no, it was, I could see what's on the screen and what's behind the words and what's behind the story. And it really is a brilliant show. And I also give it a solid eight, um, maybe more, but I'm going to start the, the least I'm going to give it is an eight, but <laughs> if all of the future MCU shows are half as good as, as this, they're worth watching. But this, this series was incredible. I loved the way the story unfolded and they kept us on our tippy toes the whole time. And it's also, as far as the MCU as a whole, it opens up a whole new Pandora's box. And this series is like the origin story of multiple characters. So there's so much Mm. to get into and so much to unpack. And I think there's a lot that we're going to see that was um, basically given birth to in this show. That's just going to go out into the MCU and be incredible. So, yeah, yeah, I don't like it. (laughs) And by the way, spoilers, everybody spoilers. But yeah, uh, you know, I... Boy, I thought that this was a really good finale. I I have a couple issues with the show as a whole, but nothing that really ruins anything for me. I don't think I think for the for the whole show, I I might have to give it like an eight and a half. Uh, Whereas the finale, I think I want to give a nine. Or maybe it's the other way around, but I'm going to talk about my little nitpicks later. But I think that this finale was it really stuck to the heart of the show, which was this, you know, theme of grief and and coming to terms with it that they've they've had essentially since the beginning of the show, even if that wasn't entirely clear at first. And I think that they really they really stuck the landing with this finale. 
I think that it was, you know, part, you know, you mentioned like all the emotions behind it. It's not that it's a story about superheroes. It's a story about people dealing with things and they happen to be superheroes, you know? Right. And that's, that's actually also paraphrasing something Feige has said a long time ago. And I think that this is part of why the MCU movies have been so successful. And now the, you know, the first show have been so successful because they really, uh, you know, make an effort to put these characters through. I mean, they put them through the ringer, but they they put them through sort of emotional stakes that people can identify with. Oh, yes. Totally. You relatable. know, that, and well, so, they're human stories. <laughs> right. Right. And that's that's how you do it. And I would argue that this is a thing that uh, a number of DC Comics movies have been missing, maybe uh, amongst other things. And is is one reason, you know, why they've had uh, uh not it nearly as much success uh, with their superhero movies as Marvel. Ooh, shots fired. Bow, bow, bow. <laughs> oh yeah. So so okay. So that's those are kind of our general impressions. You know, we we start off this episode, and it just gets right to it, right with it, with this confrontation with uh, between Agatha and Wanda that kind of it left us hanging at the end of the last episode. And I wanted to say something about. Uh, uh, Agatha that I think I mentioned in our watch along, which is that I love this character so much, but I feel like it's m- a lot more to do with Catherine Hahn's performance than the writing per se, because she just brought such a life to this character and just infused it with such like, I don't know. She was so gleeful in her portrayal of, you know, this character and, and her, you know, and her scheming and her, you know, she's just such a delight to watch. Like, I keep thinking of that Agatha all along, you know, sequence, (laughs) which of course, you know, everybody loves. And somehow that made it to the number one on iTunes, which is kind of like mind blowing that it's like this, like jokey song from this like sitcom slash. Yeah. Has that ever happened before? I mean, not not to my knowledge. I mean, like the like, where does the Friends soundtrack rank on the iTunes top one hundred? <laughs> never, no one. Hey, it's never hey, happened. Hey, 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 yourself. <laughs> that that theme song is a bop. Uh, oh. <laughs> come on, when you hear that clap. Um, but no, uh, the only thing that could have made Agatha all along better is if it was like a full on musical number. That, oh, right, right. The, like, like, like an orchestra? Well, Backup no, dancers no, like, and... like straight up out of a musical. Like if, um, you know, Catherine Hahn sings in the song, but like if if the character was actually right. singing. Um, that's the I love, that could have made it I love everything she does in that sequence. And, you know, she really sang that too herself and some backup singers. Uh, and yeah, absolutely. So I, I keep thinking like, I, I love, you know, all like the faces that she makes and stuff, uh, which is, you know, so Catherine Hahn, but like, I always come back to the moment at the end where she goes and I killed Sparky too. And she does that like <laughs> cackle, like so And gleeful. your little dog too. Exactly. Oh, so many <laughs> Wizard of Oz references, you know? So good. Um, so anyways, I just, I just needed to, uh, express my love for this character and just like, just I'm so glad that she didn't get killed because it really does seem like they were setting it up so that she could make an appearance and say, Dr. Strange to in the, you know, Dr. Strange in the multiverse of madness. So, but they really get into this fight 
And so how are you, how are you feeling at the beginning of this, Megan, when this first got started? Like when this episode started, I was uh, I was ready for some Marvel action. Um, like I've very much enjoyed the the sitcom homages and the um, you know the the exploration of Wanda's past and and everything like that. But like when this episode started, I was like, okay, I haven't seen an MCU fight since Agents of Shield ended. I'm ready for <laughs> oh, wow. for a no yeah. holds bar throwdown let's do this yeah yeah wow god it has been a while too but you know uh during the course uh of their fight it seems like wanda uh, it becomes less and less um I, I think it was almost like an ambush like she wasn't expecting this she's definitely not trained in magic you know agatha's provoking her on purpose because she wants to absorb her powers She's out of her element because um, she's never thought of her abilities as magic before. And to a degree, she's still in denial about her the way her actions have affected the people around her. Right. Yeah. Um, and so she's confronted not only with a... Um, a full on, you know, a magical attack coming from from Agatha, but like she's also dealing with the psychological attacks as well, because Agatha saw through this charade from the very beginning. And so that I mean, from not to jump ahead, but when she ultimately, you know, cuts the strings of all of the people that Wanda has been unconsciously puppeting, um, that's when like, a full that's when like the the real psychological attack starts happening too mm -hmm. so she's getting attacked on multiple different sides yeah and i think part of the psychological attack uh doesn't even come from agatha because it comes from hayward in the sense that white vision shows up or spectral yeah. vision or whatever <laughs> we want to call him Man. right <laughs> And he just so stands mean. there and looks at her. She walks up and like she like that's a big moment for her because sudden she's suddenly she's like, you know, you can see it in her eyes like, oh, my God, is this is this really you? And he puts his hand on her face and he says, Wanda, you know, but then it's he be, and then he's like tries to crush her skull. Uh, so, so I don't that, even you know, think he says Wanda. I think he just puts his hand on her no, face. He and does. Like looks he, he at, oh, does he? Wanda. OK, yeah, he says. And Wanda. then he's like staring at her and says, run. And she doesn't. No, he said, well, doesn't no. he first? He, he says Wanda, and then he starts crushing her. And he was like, I, I was told, it, and I was told you would be powerful. Right, right, right. And I mean, White Vision, you know, for most of this episode is really creepy. Right. And you have to imagine the the horror, frankly, that she must be feeling when this happens and also like there's a lot going on for Wanda right now. So, I mean, how much mental bandwidth, you know, does I, she oh, even yeah. have at this point? Yeah. Cause she's, she's seen vision in his, uh, superhero form, the red vision. And then she's seen him in his, uh, civilian attire. And then, you know, in infinity war, we saw him where he like faded to gray and that was a creepy looking vision too and then she saw him in this show and then he there was that flashback where she saw him gray and it like freaked her out but then the white vision i say is almost as creepy if not creepier than the gray vision you know yeah he, he's uh, gone through a well gray vision was just dead i mean not a great look well uh, she in in the previous episode she saw him in pieces oh um, yeah too and uh in in this yeah this is 
I mean, we'll see reanimated corpse later in the episode, but this is her, <laughs> this is her lover's reanimated corpse that is, <laughs> yeah. that is essentially trying yeah. to cave in her skull. At the White Walker moment. version of uh, Vision. Now I had a theory since his eyes were blue and the, the thing in his head was blue. Is that basically, are, do we think there's remnants of Ultron? Well, no. that's always, I mean, no, I mean, I don't think so. But I mean, he was created from part of Ultron. Um, some people were like theorizing that, oh, it would be James Spader's voice and blah. Like, I never really bought that. Nah. Um, but uh, I'm I'm assuming that that thing in his head is like an arc reactor or something powering him. Okay. Uh, yeah, because that's what I was thinking while I was watching it. Is that part of Ultron? Because Ultron was blue and Jarvis was, was the yellow. No, and... they destroyed Ultron completely, physically, they completely destroyed yeah i just didn't know if they had like yeah and the yellow was the mind stone not not necessarily jarvis that's true yeah yeah good point yeah so i mean let's talk about the fight between the visions real quick then because i i loved this so you know first of all when he's you know uh white vision is like they're trying to crush one to skull hex vision i guess let's call him comes to the rescue and then it's really becomes this fight between the visions. Uh, meanwhile, you know, the magic fight is going on over here. But what I love so much, there's two things I really loved about this sequence of the fights with vision. And one was like you were saying, I think during the audio commentary, Megan, like how cool is it that like how they choreograph this fight between these two visions where they can face through each other and like, you know, face through each other, grab each other, you know, all this stuff. It was so cool to see, but that like, that's not how they resolve the fight. They resolve the fight by having like a logic battle. <laughs> basically. Yes. That's like mental chess. Hmm. And it's just so in a, on brand <laughs> in a library of all places. And like that whole um, parable of these, the, like the ship of Theseus was like, and you're right. Like I've seen that brought up in other movies and I've read about and all this stuff, but rarely if ever, have I seen it be so relevant to what's actually happening in the thing that I'm watching, you know, yeah. because that was so on point for their situation. Yeah. Usually in the context of how it's brought up in, in various medias, it is used exactly as I think the original intent was, it was used as a thought experiment. Very rarely. Uh, although sometimes it is reflective of like, what is the current situation? Very rarely is it used to come up with a resolution to a problem. Right. Uh, As opposed to just Mm -hmm. being a philosophical discussion that may or may not be thematically relevant. This is straight up how how the problem is resolved. Because ultimately the conclusion that they come to is that they are in fact both the true ship. They are both vision Mm -hmm. to, you know, in... In some way, shape, or form, they are both Vision. And that's how, uh, because the White Vision's programming says that he needs to destroy Vision. And then once, like, hey, okay, elaborate on what you're trying to say. And once he comes to that conclusion, it's like, oh, what do I do now? And, right. and I think the the moment that's really, really cool is when um, Hex Vision unlocks white visions memories because he has all the data in there but no no connection to the sequence of events that happened 
And and I know we'll get more of him later, but having those memories unlocked and having that connection reestablished, although he probably does to an extent still feel some sort of disconnect. Mm-hmm. I I I want to know. Like that's a lot of information to process all at once, even for a computer <laughs> right? man. <laughs> right. I want to know what he's going through right now. Yeah, I mean. You know, I I have talked to a couple people about this finale already, and one of the comments that I've heard is like, well, why didn't he like join the fight? And my thought is on that is like, that is a lot. I like I don't care how smart and how fast he can process like information like that is a lot to to that's like a lot to integrate all at once. And I also wonder, you know, if his like programming directive is to destroy the vision, did he have to like go like have some kind of internal struggle to prevent him from committing suicide in that moment, you know? Maybe. That's entirely possible. I don't know. But I think there is something to this notion you mentioned that he, um, there's some kind of disconnect between him and those memories, you know? Because he's, you know, in a very real way, he's also not the original vision. You know, he's he's something he's something new. He's something different, even if it is Vision's body, even if, you know, this, that, and the other. But I, there is something kind of poetic, too, about how, you know, they made this whole huge thing in Infinity War about the fact that, like, the Mind Stone is part of him, and, you know, there's all these other parts of him, but, you know, and maybe that's, you know, maybe if they pull out the Mind Stone, he's still there, whatever. But, like, very poetic how Wanda kind of holds on to the Mind Stone part of him, only for it to be imparted back to that body let's say by the hex vision through the the part of the mind stone that lives in wanda right there's something about that that kind of brings it full circle but yet still it's not exactly original vision and so it like this whole like philosophical like they easily could have had just like a fight scene right and, you know, something happened, like they kill each other or, you know, Hex Vision is somehow able to prevail. But, like, I just love that they went philosophical with it. And I, you know, it makes me really wonder what's next for White Vision. And I I, I know we're going to see him again. I, You know, it might not be until Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness or it might not even be in there. But I just, you, you know, I can't help but come away with this feeling that he and Wanda are going to meet again. Yeah. Like, what do you, and 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 like um, I like I said, I want to know what his journey is right now because like he has all these memories now, but like they they probably feel like someone else's experiences. Like when he sits back and like thinks of those memories, it's probably like the memory of a movie. You know, it's like his this is a thing that I experienced, but it doesn't feel like me. I think there must be some type of lo- like at least low level connection though because did you see his face when those memories came back and for I mean his eyes changed to like the more human eyes that Vision has always had and like if you look at his face he's just so there's some type of emotion there there's some type he's like stunned he's P- Paul Bettany's really killed it in this show the acting has been just like I mean, I always oh, knew Paul Bettany. He made was me good, cry multiple times. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes. You know, he really fucking killed it. Um, Jess, what's what are your thoughts on this whole thing with with Vision that we've been talking about? Uh, Vision has, you know, since his inception, 
in the age of Ultron, he's been, I think one of my most favored Avengers. I always thought he was so cool and he was so powerful. And I thought he was kind of done a disservice in infinity war because he kind of got killed him twice. Well, they killed him twice, but he just went down so easily. You know, it was like Frodo getting stabbed with a Morgul blood. Oh, no. Now I can't walk and I'm crying and I'm sad. And, you know, he's too powerful for that. And I was hoping throughout this show to see him rise back up. And then I found out he's a construct and it's all in Wanda's mind and blah, blah, blah. But now with that scene of, you know, the creation of White Vision and with them, uh, in the library together, I was thinking, okay, now we're going to see the visions merge and we're going to see the power of vision. Cause I've always said this thing. It's like vision in Westview within the hex really isn't vision. It's just like a construct of Wanda. So those aren't his true powers. Those are just kind of the powers that Wanda allows him to have. But well, with- I think she recreated him as faithfully as she possibly could. And so he's I mean, he, he's demonstrated right. all of Vision's regular powers. Yeah, I know. But it, it wasn't real. It was I mean, real enough for the, you know, vibranium detector show. to go off and, you know, swords base. Um, I just it's just that, you know, the re- his reality couldn't be sustained without the hex. Yeah, I guess, exactly. I guess is what it comes down. Yeah, to. we've seen that in a couple episodes where outside of the hex or when the hex itself is opening up, he starts the disintegrating. But I was hoping or not hoping, but I was expecting in that uh, library scene for the two visions to merge and he would become physical once again. And that I didn't mean, happen. I think that's what a lot of people were hoping for. Um, because well, they we set don't... it up perfectly. Yeah, we well, we don't want to let Hex Vision go because he's been lovable sitcom. One, we love Vision. Right. And two, he's been lovable sitcom dad for a good chunk of this series. So we we don't want to see him go by the time this series wraps up. But that's, you know, we have to. We have to say mm-hmm. goodbye. Yeah. And it's like I mentioned in the watch through and in the last couple episodes, we're going to see Vision die. And... They didn't really show him die as much as, you know, just vanish away. Um, it wasn't. I, I, Wanda, yeah. I don't feel so good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Miss Wanda. But no, it's, I, I think during the watch through, we all kind of said, okay, fine. We're all crying. Let's all cry together. Hold hands. <laughs> but, I mean, I was crying. Yeah. Were you not crying? <laughs> <laughs> I, I can't say s- such, but... <laughs> But no, it was heart-wrenching what they did with Vision in the end, even though they also gave us, oh, there's the option of having Vision again. So it's like they kind of played with our, pulled our heartstrings on that one and confused I really, it. really want to see Vision's like struggle like from immediately after he flies out that window. Like I really... It, like, I love Vision, too. I mean, they've made me love him. And now, you know, there's this interesting white Vision character who now has these memories back. And, like, I just really am interested to see what happens there. Yeah, um, and it's like it's like we got Vision now all in basically black and white or blue and white. And when is he going to get colorized? You know, when I do, think that all depends on that? how he works through this identity crisis. Maybe are, are you saying is... What our Tin Man is missing is a heart. 
Oh. <laughs> Maybe that's something Wanda could help him with further why, down the Why road. would you make a reference to the Wizard oh. of Oz? That makes no sense whatsoever. <laughs> I know. I mean, this show made zero connections to that movie slash <laughs> book, so I'm sorry. I was just pulling that out of a hat. Wow. You know, the more I think about it, the more the Wizard of Oz references just keep coming at me. I mean, <laughs> her crown does look a bit like the ruby slippers. Except oh, for my goodness. Head. Uh, here we go. Okay. But back to the magic fight though. And your little dog too. And Agatha, you know, Agatha is basically like, you know, power's not your problem. You just don't know anything. And then she whips out the dark hold. Uh, it is the dark hold. Well, real quick, and, before yeah. we get into the dark hold, uh, something I wanted to mention earlier is, you know, where she says you have the powers, you just don't understand them. Basically, Wanda that we've seen so far in the MCU, all of her, you know, use of her powers have been reactionary. It's not like she's like, okay, here's the plan. I'm going to go in and I'm going to shoot laser uh, bolts or witch bolts or whatever. And I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. Control over her powers, but she hasn't really explored them in depth. Exactly. And that's what we see in the show is she learns that I do have these powers and I can control them. And we see her start to have more control over them rather than just a reactionary emotional outburst, which is what they mostly have been. So that's, well, they've been kind of being been released by her unconscious in a way. I think, you know, I think originally it, it was, it came out of her grief and she was just so traumatized that it just all came boiling out. To basically as a defense mechanism exactly you and know? that's that's what i'm saying it's like she has these emotional outbursts and uses the powers but now she's learning how to like focus well on now her that powers she knows them. that it's actual magic <laughs> right yeah so that's one of the great things about this show is she's you know we've we've already seen her as a super powerful uh superhero but now she's got a more concise understanding of herself and her powers and her origins and stuff. So now, and she's learning even more about, yeah, the it's, it's almost, this, so. I mean, like I mentioned earlier, it's like a, a origin story of multiple characters. And it's basically also a origin story of the Scarlet witch, because this is where she really becomes self-aware and everything. And from here on out, we're going to see a new Scarlet witch. I find it so interesting that it's, you know, as opposed to in the comics when it's basically just her superhero name, it's actually like a title of like a, you know, legendary right. prophesied exactly. or something. You know, I find that real interesting how they did that. But, yeah. you know, when Agatha brings out the book and she calls the Necronomicon. it <laughs> well, that is a different book in, in the Marvel universes. But uh, this she identified specifically as the Darkhold. The book uh, damn. Yeah. And I was like, oh, so this act so now that that is confirmed, that there's actually a lot of implications, which we'll get to, but first. Yeah, I thought Ghostwriter took that book back to hell. <laughs> you dropped the ball, Robbie. <laughs> yeah. I just, you know, I wanted to get your take because I know, Megan, you you love Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. so much, and they had the dark hold in this. And this is basically, you know, Feige in the MCU saying, yeah, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is definitely not canon. And so how do you, how do you feel about that, Megan? I, what are your thoughts I mean, on this? Here's the thing. Uh, again, I get 
very annoyed when I when I think about if Feige and you know if Marvel TV and Marvel and the Marvel films hadn't been at each other's throats, <laughs> yeah, um, way back when at the beginning, like m- like Agents of Shield could have been given a lot more money and resources and and could have gotten to play more in in like. Uh, essential roles in in you know what happened in the MCU uh, as opposed to just sort of being adjacent to it. Mm-hmm. Um, that being said, I still love Agents of Shield, and I think what they were able to do with the show, in spite of all the limitations, is absolutely phenomenal. And season four with go- like all the Ghost Rider stuff is in fact all my favorite Agents of Shield stuff. Um, so. Uh, not not so much the stuff with the framework, but just everything involving Ghost Rider uh, is is peak Agents of Shield for me. But um, anyway, in relation to uh, the Darkhold, yes, I, I I have yes and no because I've always known from a meta level that like again Marvel TV and Marvel films you know, weren't playing nice with with each other for whatever reason. Um, that being said. This isn't necessarily a Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is non-canonical. One, because we were already kind of playing around in that territory um, when Infinity War came out, like, um, and and especially when Endgame came out, because uh, Marvel Films did not give Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. any info on what was going to be happening with Endgame. So Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. just kind of did their own thing. Essentially ignored um, it, if I recall correctly. Yeah. And, and here's the thing. I actually think that's okay because within the canon of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., they started doing some time travel stuff. And within the last couple seasons, I'm like... Yeah, no, they just broke off into their own AU, and that's okay. I'm okay with that. Um, yeah, I, yeah. I, I will always be salty about the fact that they had to do that, but I'm okay with it within the context of the show because Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is still great. Um, but looking at the Darkhold specifically, it's not necessarily like, oh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is non-canonical. Just because Agatha has the Darkhold doesn't necessarily mean that all the stuff in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. didn't happen. A book like the Darkhold is going to find its way to a powerful user no matter what. That's, and, that's not a bad point. I, I and, just feel, and it's yeah. in Runaways, too. Uh, I haven't that's watched true. Runaways, but it does, in fact factor into the plot of runaways as well so i just kind of think of this as like oh no the dark hold is gonna go where it wants i gotta i gotta <laughs> finish robbie that definitely, show robbie took it back to hell and it clawed its way back and <laughs> it's a book like that it's not going to be bound to time or space so i just look at that and i'm like well way to drop the ball robbie but like look the Darkhold cannot be contained. <laughs> mm. Yeah, I, you know, I, the way I think about it is like Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and the other uh, Marvel shows previous to WandaVision. Like, I just think of them as being in their own parallel universes that are like really close to the main MCU universe, I guess, is well, the way I, is the even, way I think about it. Even Endgame created separate timelines, <laughs> you know, by accident. So I, I, the way I think seeing Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and, um, you know, Jessica Jones and and all those other shows, I think seeing them as offshoots of or this original time of the original timeline, I think that's a very fair and valid way to look at it. And um, 
yeah, it's unfortunate that we don't get any any resolution with any of those programs, but I think it's fair to all, you know, with the exception of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., which got to end on its own terms. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's fair to say that, like, they all still exist. It's just the timeline is broken now. Right. Right. And uh, we'll likely be seeing some more stuff about that in MCU. The other thing that's interesting about the Darkhold is, so if you look at some of the pages that we get to see in this episode on like, you remember the one page where it looks like Scarlet Witch is on there. And a lot of people have noticed that like on the page facing it, like on the left, it almost looks like a diagram of the multiverse because there's like these spheres that like intersect and stuff like who knows, but it, it seems reasonable to think that. And also there's these th- like in the illustration of a Scarlet Witch that's on there, you know, there's these like wavy lines that are coming out of her head, which uh, which one could interpret maybe as like some kind of power or one might even think that they look like tentacles <laughs> because the being that apparently, you know, in Marvel Comics wrote the Darkhold was Cthon, which is a sort of like old primeval god of evil Cthulhu-esque <laughs> type of type of thing. Yeah, but I mean, you know, I remember hearing rumors. Definitely a way cousin, back. though. <laughs> Kissing cousins. Uh, I, I definitely Gross. remember hearing some, <laughs> yeah, some. Uh, Why would uh, you say that? <laughs> those old gods are gross. I don't know. Son, have, <laughs> you ever seen, are... have you ever seen two octopuses make sweet I've love? never heard of a more disgusting mental image. Why did you do this to me, Will? Haven't you ever, like, heard the, you know, any of the, read any of the tales about the old pantheons of, uh, of, of oh, yore where, yeah, like, there's lots of stuff, but kissing cousins and, and tentacles have never crossed borders. Okay, this is. This conversation is over. Will, what were you saying about the person, the entity that wrote the yes, Dark yes. I will hear no more of this. <laughs> and I we mean, will never speak of it again. I mean, so how many on. suckers are we talking? Moving <laughs> on! In one of the many uh, retconned uh, origins for Scarlet Witch in the comics was the fact that Cthon actually created her so that she would ultimately one day be a vessel for him to return to the main sort of like material plane. And so I'm just saying there could be in the in the Doctor Strange sequel in which Wanda is going to appear, there could be a connection to Cthon. Maybe he's trying to do things through her. You know, I still think there's a possibility that. Uh, you know, Cthon being the dark entity who perhaps, you know, created the Darkhold actually manipulated events to get it into Wanda's hands. Because I still think it's weird that she had that deed uh, with Vision's note on it. Like, I still feel like there's a possibility that uh, that was planted, um, you know, potentially that by Vision Cthon. didn't actually buy her a house or or that um, well, specifically Cthon was manipulating Vision to buy them a home that he intended to that that Cthon intended to raise to the ground to cause this entire scenario. The the former, because I feel like, first of all, like let's just I, I just need to ask you in this question. When exactly were they Wanda and Vi- in the original vision? When exactly were they at the point of their relationship? To where they're like, we're going to buy a house and plan our happily ever after where we can grow old together or whatever. Like totally setting aside the fact that Vision's not going to grow old physically. Well, right? I, I I can tell you because um, like after Civil War, 
Wanda was on the run, but she and Vision were still meeting clandestinely. They were. So he, you know, could because he was on the side of Tony Stark and the Sokovia Accords. So Vision actually would have been uh, in a position to be able to buy a house without suspicion. He would so- have. But my question is... Or my thought is, I don't think that they're at that point in their relationship until the scene we find them in in Infinity Infinity War, War. when Vision's tripping over his tongue to try and convey that he thinks their relationship is working, but yet he's still not quite confident enough to like come out and say it. I I disagree. I I think he I think he bought this house and I think, you know, they're they're meeting up. I think he bought it with the intention of being like. Because he knows that, uh-huh. like, up until – that they'll never be able to, like, have that idyllic family life until, you know, she's no longer on the run. Um, and yeah. oh, Or it's entirely possible that he bought it while they were both still living at the Avengers compound even before um, – before See, I feel like that's war. jumping the gun a little bit. I well, mean, I, I don't know at, at, at the what beginning, point you're ready to move in with somebody and buy it. <laughs> uh, well, I think but, at the beginning of an Infinity War, I mean, they're obviously in love. They have a strong attraction, this and that, and we don't really get yeah, all the- Yeah, but are they to the, the point where they're going to be like, let's buy our dream home in the suburbs and yeah, live and happily also, ever after? That, that's like, do I really want to have Vision sitting- Vision- a computer himself sitting down typing in geico.com okay progressive.com and 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 which one can give me better insurance rates he was buddies with tony stark he's like hey stark (laughs) you owe me the money he's got stark (laughs) insurance he's got stark rentals you know it's all stark well i mean you could very well be right Megan, but I, you know, I just like when she first saw the 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 envelope or whatever in her car. I, f- for a second, it seemed like she was surprised to see it, and then I, ca- I just kept coming back to this question of like, wait, wait, when did he actually ever buy that before they were? F- she was a fugitive. I I think I think you have a very valid uh, you know uh, interpretation of this that in fact he didn't buy this house that this was all a plan to manipulate her but i absolutely 100% see ultra romantic wait, vision wait, wait. like going I mean, like one day point. when you're not on the run wait. anymore like i oh. bought a home for us hold on yeah. hold on hold on at the scene where the deed showed up on her front seat wasn't vision already dead for quite some time well, yeah, but I mean, was that not maybe just a construct of Wanda? She created that and was like, "Oh, this is where we're gonna have a future together." And goes. I mean, to that's a possibility too, mind. I guess. But that that would have nothing to do with, uh, at least in my scenario here, uh, I mean, on you know manipulating that to happen. I'm I mean, Vision's wondering. like, I really like you. And then he gets his head ripped in half and then he gets <laughs> murdered. And then half of all beings die. I don't see him shopping about and be like, I'm going to take this empty lot here. I think that deed, I think that was all just Wanda. I think she did that. Um, I mean, maybe, I guess I mean, one look, day we I might think find I'll- out. All three of these are valid interpretations of what's happening. Yeah. Uh, my my interpretation is ultra romantic um, vision, which I just I think is really enduring. I can't. <laughs> I cannot deny that that's feasible. I mean, that's well, who Vision is. You know. Well, like I said at the beginning of Infinity War, they were 
definitely shipping each other, <laughs> you know, and uh, well, they were sneaking out to get together on the slide. Right. Well, you know, and here's, impromptu here's rendezvous. Here's the thing. Even if he hadn't gotten to a point where he could tell her for sure, like, hey, I want us to be like super serious. One, you got Stark money. You can do whatever you want with that Stark money. But like two, like it's entire uh, again, like when. When you love somebody and you know you love somebody and you know you want to spend the rest of your life with them, like, it makes sense to act on that even if you can't necessarily express it. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's I mean, that's fair. I think that's totally fair. It's just something that Especially I Especially kept... when the world is, or your world specifically, is on fire and you, the person you love is on the run. Yeah. I mean, I yeah. could totally see Vision doing that. It's just this little detail that I just kept wondering about. But I want to do say a couple more things about the Darkhold. And I think that this is one of those things that they're planting that's going to have effects or be important in some way in like the MCU moving forward more generally than just as like this book that Wanda has now with that she's learning from. Because in the comics, I guess the Darkhold was also used to create the first vampire. And we know that there is a Blade movie coming. Yeah. Right? <laughs> so I feel like WandaVision is doing a lot of things for the future of the MCU, setting up a number of things, really. And is it is Morbius? Is that Marvel? It's Sony. It's Sony. And it's okay. a Sony Marvel thing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see. Uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Who knows? Who knows at this point? Question yeah. mark, question mark, question mark. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, hmm. I don't know. Uh, maybe, maybe the way, cause I, I'm thinking about like Blade's origin story and I'm like, if Wanda creates the first vampire or, or like if the, the Darkhold creates the first vampire I mean, here, I don't, I, that doesn't I don't, necessarily make sense with Blade's timeline, but maybe yeah. it just, maybe it'll retroactively create the first vampire be, in the same yes. way that witches were retroactively made. Exactly. Cause, cause I feel like, I don't think that necessarily, like, I don't. I mean, maybe, but I don't expect Wanda to be oh. in the Blade movie. Oh, yeah, I have no, a I'm feeling... sure we'll just see a flashback. Exactly. The uh, the Darkhold being there, and who knows, maybe a witch using right, the Darkhold right. and creating a, <laughs> and right. becoming be a like vampire. 5,000 years ago in Babylon, or, you know, whatever. <laughs> or, um, like, a, a rogue sorcerer, like in, right. like in Doctor Strange, a rogue sorcerer was using the Darkhold and then became a vampire. As and it'll be like a flashback and we'll see the dark hold and the vampire yeah. will arise and then it'll be like back to blade and you know the 21st century whatever i just I love feel it like, i love it shut up and take my money Marvel. Like, <laughs> how are we now gonna have vampires in the mcu like i'm not against it i'm just like what how are they this has not been a thing so far you know so well it, it you know it you know again when we were when we watched iron man we were introduced to the you know we were introduced to the mcu in a in you know, it was a very grounded reality. Um, but as the MCU continued to grow with every subsequent film, and even the inclusion of Nick Fury right there being like, what if I took, you know, like, I've got, I've got a proposition for you. The implications were that there were more things in this world. Um, right, right. Absolutely. Uh, and so, you know, with each subsequent film that comes out, we learn more and more. Uh, and, you know, retconning more and more about what actually existed within the world prior to so you're saying it was nick fury all along 
No, uh, <laughs> no, uh, because even Ant Man and the Wasp, we get introduced to Ghost, who right. um, you know had had been around for years and years and years, but we had never seen her prior mm. to that. You know, right? Um, so yeah, I don't mind these retcons as long as they don't break the continuity of the world. You know? Yeah, yeah, uh, exactly. I I'm willing to roll with that. As long as it's at least plausible to some degree, like I'll roll with it. You know, I want to talk real quick about fake Pietro before we move on to the final couple of topics, because first of all, I want to say that um, I really think Evan Peters is like super talented and he brought like such a great energy to this show. And I think he did a fantastic job, but I feel that uh, the way that Marvel used that casting crossed the line from like epic misdirection to like some level of trolling like i'm not salty at all about the idea that like we didn't get mutants in here because that just was not part of the story i never expected that i did not expect an x-men crossover did not i was not like i want to see them eventually but like i don't care that they weren't in the wandavision that just was not their story but i do think that You know, it seems clear that they cast him specifically because he did play Quicksilver in the Fox Universe movies. Mm -hmm. And that's all fine. But then it turns out he's just some dude named Ralph Boner. (laughs) And okay, I got a chuckle out of that in the moment. But I feel like like. There's something about the MCU that's they've always very carefully like planted these clues. And they've always had this very cool way of interconnecting things. And while I, you know, I'm cool with this not being like the intro to the X-Men or anything. And I, you know, never really expect expected it to cross over with the X-Men. Like it's like they, they, there's no other reason to cast that actor for this part other than to play with the audience's meta knowledge about the fact that there's this other universe where he actually plays that character. Well, I mean, it was if if we go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, finish with that. It was just (laughs) Jess and I both have have. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's not exactly a letdown, but I feel like a little bit irritated that uh, that they use the casting in that way for it to mean literally nothing other than like a dick joke. Now you know how I feel watching Lost. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I thought you didn't know anything about that show. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, fair enough. But I okay. So, uh, Jess, first, uh, what what what's your thoughts on this? Well, I thought during the Halloween episode when they were in town, I thought Quicksilver slash Evan Peters uh, slash Peter kind of spelled it out like he or Wanda didn't want to see. Her actual brother, played by Aaron Johnson, and she picked another face to put on it so it wouldn't be so jarring for her. But I understand where you're coming from as like the trolling aspect. But it is the show. Yeah, it is my bread and butter. But the show is basically me as a Marvel show because it's been trolling us all along. They've been throwing secrets and, you know, little imagery and stuff that never really came to fruition and was kind of like red herrings. 
some you know, of the stuff all you throughout. could say some of the stuff I think you could say, well, maybe it'll pay off in a later movie like Doctor Strange sequel or something. But just specifically the Evan Peters casting is like how, what I was talking about. Uh for for me, I I I 100% get what you're what you're saying and I I definitely share in some of those mixed feelings, but the MCU has always played around with audience expectation mm-hmm. um to some degree i mean look at iron man 3 the whole villain reveal in that movie was absolutely playing on audience expectations oh yeah well, true but, knowledge. The, but see i feel like that is uh i don't want to say like a hundred percent different but very different in the sense no that- no it's it is different i'm just saying that contextually speaking Right. Marvel films have always played with audience expectations. Yeah, once they figured out that they could sprinkle little bits and pieces of ideas here and there, and we would all flock to it like seagulls and "Ah, mine, 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 mine. I I think (laughs) that's what they did with this show. And it's it's really helping boost the show and it's boosting talk about the show. We're all standing around the water cooler. And I think it's a genius move. I I really... Go ahead. Sorry. I I understand where you're coming for, though, because we we get this casting and we see this this very familiar face Mm -hmm. introduce himself as Pietro in the MCU. And we're getting, um, you know, multiple news outlets telling us that the the X-Men are coming to the MCU. And we know that there's a multiverse thing happening soon. So it's like, okay, so yeah, well, she pulled him in uh, either Agatha or. Or Wanda pulled him in for an, from an alternate universe, and we get we get our Quicksilver back. We we get we get to have Quicksilver back. So it's disappointing to know that that's not what's happening. But at the same time, we kind of have to acknowledge that, like the mutants coming to the MCU, could potentially mean new casting for all of those mutant characters. Like there is no obligation for Disney to cast the exact same actors, especially if they're not planning on bringing in the mutants, um, bringing him in via a multiverse. Oh, agreed. I mean, absolutely agreed. Yeah. Like if the, if the plan is to have some sort of kind of like, um, how the inhumans were, were created, um, in the comics where it's just like, Oh, like uh oh here like like miss marvel's origin story like having something similar like that where it's like oh a bunch of you know inhumans were created in in this explosion you know that sort of thing um if they're going to do something similar to explain the creation of mutants or if there's going to be some wide scale earth event that causes rapid evolutionary change to create mutants within the context of the world as a very new phenomenon it you know, it all it all depends on how mutants are going to be incorporated into into the MCU. Like those are all still question marks. And so it is a bummer knowing with this casting, because that's what this casting is telling us. This casting is telling us that we're not pulling in all of these characters from an alternate universe. And we're not going to see those same actors. Uh, unless something crazy happens in right. <laughs> Multiverse of Madness, we're not going to see those same actors 
play those characters. And that's what the show is telling us. But I understand being frustrated by that because it is a bummer because I like this Quicksilver. It's it's interesting because I do have mixed feelings about it because I do really love him in this role and everything that he did. And he's such a good actor. But maybe the most concise way I can put it is that I really do love it when Marvel plays with our expectations. That's some of the, like the most fun that I've had in the MCU, I, I would say. But this is the first time that the We're, red yep, herring was so red <laughs> that it felt like it felt like they they lied to us. It wasn't ju- it felt like more than just misdirection. It felt like it felt know, like an abuse of trust. It it did a little bit. Well, now at the same time, I feel watching Lost. <laughs> well, at the same time, though, I think we're losing, you know, the fact that all of this. I mean, basically, can we agree that ninety percent of Wandavision, the show, exists within Wanda's brain? No, no, no. No, that's not. I mean, yes and no, because it's her her fantasy manifested. But what we're seeing is. Because she created, she created a whole created. town, a whole community, and she placed these images and personalities on people, and we see in. But this we're not last in episode. her mind palace. Like we're not inside of her <laughs> right. head. You know right. that sort of thing. But aren't um, we? she's brought the ins- She's brought the inside of her mind to the right. We see reality. what her mind has. We see what uh, shroud her mind has cast over reality. So, yes, but we're not, like I said, we're not in her Sherlock mind palace. Um, that, although that's a cool name for the hex. Uh, but no, here's, I, I, I get what you, I get what you're saying. Absolutely. About, about this casting and how it feels kind of mean spirited and how it kind of feels like a betrayal of trust to a degree. I don't think it's I, actually mean spirited. But it, it, it just it felt like they lied to us because, you know, they know that people make theories and like, you know, we're never going to get it all right. It's just that it felt like it crossed a certain line a little bit where I, I didn't see them doing it before. Here's the thing, though. If again, if we're not ever going to see those actors get to reprise their X-Men roles ever mm-hmm. again, then I would rather have him here than not have him at all. You know? Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. So that's yeah. my I mean, last word on the matter. He's so good. I mean, he's so good, too. Well, that's that's like what I said during our watch through. We have the Quicksilver from the X-Men universe and the Quicksilver from the MCU universe. And I prefer Evan Peters as Quicksilver. He's he's he fits more in with the MCU kind of snarky, funny, jokey personality. Um, well, they did more with him in the that character in the Fox universe, too. So, right. Um, well, that's what I'm saying, too. Um, so it's cool to see him. But at the same time, I I love the idea of having the X-Men hopefully join, join in with the uh, MCU. That would be oh, it's going to be at least, too. I think, a couple more years, at least until we see any mutants. Right. Um, but uh, look, it it didn't ruin the show or the episode for me at all. It was just like, I, you know, uh, it's I just don't feel quite good about it. That's all that one thing, you know. But OK, let's let's move on to this final confrontation between Agatha and well, and Wanda. shouldn't shouldn't while we're on the subject of 
Ralph Boner. Shouldn't we explore that? <laughs> I think it speaks for itself. <laughs> but there's there's no uh, there's no uh, theories or anything surrounding. No, well, no I, I just mean, like I, the reveal that this was the Ralph that uh, Agnes was always alluding yeah, to. My husband, Ralph. Exactly. It was his, it was his house, and she just went in there, put right. him under her whammy, and, you know, then that became, you know, that's what Yeah, that's made. that's what I want to talk about, the fact that they've, they've referenced him, and now we actually get to see, oh, that's who Ralph is. Yeah. Yeah, so there's Ralph, everybody. But I'm sure. I, I think that's a fun reveal. It, again, if he's not going to be <laughs> his Pietro, it, it's I think Ralph is is a fun consolation exactly. prize. Yeah, I think so too. Um, okay, so but the uh, this you know final fight between Agatha and Wanda, I thought was so fun, and it was great to see Wanda finally like really stretch with her powers. You know, I mean, we've seen her in action a couple times before. But really, this show, and particularly the finale, I think, gave us, you know, so much more Wanda magic action. And it was just so like when she finally decided to really fight, you know, she was very fun to watch. And I love that little like snarky moment where she's like, oh, you want to fight now? And she made that little gesture and like, yeah, like swing. <laughs> so good. So and good. and I love how she did the, you know, the the vision whammy uh not no pun intended like she did in age of ultron yeah no that was a that was excellent you know and yeah you know agatha kind of counters and kind of takes over the vision or whatever but that was just really cool to see this sort of witchy you know magical fight between them because frankly we haven't seen a whole heck of a lot of magic in the mcu yet i mean we definitely saw some in doctor strange and that was awesome Mm -hmm. um but other than that you know not too much and i also you know thought the introduction of witches to the MCU was pretty well done, you know, um, with that flashback. And it kind of, you know, gives you this implication that there's these, you know, other groups of magic users out there other than like whatever sorcerer's group, you know, Dr. Strange belongs to. Mm-hmm, exactly. So that was nice. But like, did you guys see the whole glyphs thing coming where Wanda turned it around at the no, end? No, I didn't. I, I, I thought that was an excellent reveal. And we talked about this during the watch along. Um, But I I really like how the incorporation of magic into the MCU creates for more clever takedowns of our supervillains. And this was this because I I know there are so many people who are like, oh, another superhero movie means another sky beam, you know, battle and da 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 da. I, I don't necessarily have a problem with the sky beam trope. But anyway. But you know, when Doctor Strange came out and he trapped Dormammu in that time loop, that was a mm-hmm. very, very clever way to end a movie that didn't necessarily end in like, okay, which which super strong person can can punch the other super strong person right. just a little bit harder. <laughs> and yeah, exactly. Right. Um, so this, I like, I like seeing climaxes where the, the villain can be outmaneuvered, um, yeah, mentally speaking. I, I want to give props to Marvel for, you know, coming up with these ways to resolve, you know, the big conflicts at the end in more unique ways than the normal, like, you know, punch, punch, you know, sky beam, like boom, boom endings. I hit him really hard. And then, <laughs> and then I won. <laughs> yeah. And the world is a better place. Yeah. So, you know, Wanda turns it around with these glyphs. And I think it also shows that she's a fast learner. 
and that she, you know, and she's, you know, smarter than probably a lot of people give her credit for being. Well, it reminds me <laughs> that that uh, commercial from the 80s uh, where the the son is caught uh, smoking weed by his father. He's like, where did you learn to do this? And he's like, I learned by watching you, dad. And that's kind of what this episode was, because Wanda learned by watching Agatha because. Oh, shit, right. OK. Yeah. You know, it's, it's like, where are you going? I, I work up to it. Um, <laughs> but this our watch through was my third uh, viewing of this. And you were like, yeah. How do you like that part about where she's pretending to miss and throwing the 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 glyphs onto the hex? And I was like. Oh, I didn't catch that at all. <laughs> so now watching it the third time when you said that, I was like, oh, yeah, that is what she's doing. But I didn't see it. And there's even the this like one through. there's the, even this one close up of uh, or maybe it's a medium close up of uh, Agatha where like Wanda misses and she looks at it askance like, oh, that's weird. Uh, but it's just <laughs> right. like it's just like one moment in that fight, you know, and then they're. Yeah, and that's 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 that goes back to the writing and the directing of how they do these shows, they throw in stuff like that, that if you're not paying attention, it's a blink and you miss it moment. Cause I watched it three times and I never even understood what Wanda was really doing until you're like, yeah, that's what she did right there. And right there. I think so many things in the show, including the direction. And I think Matt Shackman and directed every single episode. Mm -hmm. Um, it is award nomination worthy at least. Oh yeah. I love Um, the fact that all those little details, that you don't catch, you still enjoy the show and you still have a great understanding and appreciation for the show. But then you find out these little tiny things were sprinkled through and that just makes it so much better. Well, And it's, and it's not even for the finale, which was like this great, you know, MCU, uh, like series of like action set pieces, essentially. Well, it's like uh, maybe some it, it's stuff. a mini, it's a mini Marvel movie. Well, but <laughs> I mean, it's not just that it's the fact that like he had to direct an episode of like every sitcom, you know, every major right. sitcom in the past like 70 years. And they they pulled it off and like down to like the acting style down. Yeah, to, so it, many tiny little minuscule details they managed to fit in. And that takes a lot of work. And that's why this is such a great show. Yeah. But I, but I mean, I really um, yeah. So I, I really enjoyed that. I like it was great seeing the spectacle of, you know, their magic, particularly. OK, let, let's talk about this outfit, the Scarlet Witch outfit, because it is fabulous. Oh, my gosh. It looks so oh good. Oh, my God. It, I, I, I didn't think it could look that good on like on in live action you know like it was fun when she had her halloween costume version and that was like their outfits you know that was their 1950s or 1960s comics you know that's about what they'd look like if they had a wandavision show in the 60s that's what they (laughs) would wear (laughs) and and when you think of like um we were talking about this while we were during the episode watch along but like kudos to the marvel costuming department because like you you see the halloween costume version and that's very much you know very uh uh, faithful to what's on the page for the comic Mm -hmm. books and it looks ridiculous in real life but (laughs) then when they spin their whatever magic they happen to be weaving in the costume department over (laughs) over at disney like when they weave their magic Oh my gosh, like these costumes look absolutely excellent. Like, yeah, um, for the and, past 15 years of the MCU, it's like, what is that material? 
How do I find it? How how do they make it look so good? Um, because I mean, like, even her we, headpiece, you know, they had to do a little alteration and adaptation of it, but it looked, even that looked really good. Like it almost looks like a crown too. Yeah. Um, um, yeah. I mean, you think of like earlier comic book adaptations, um, not necessarily like the Tim Burton Batman stuff, but because that stuff still looks good too. Yeah. But like, you know, previous attempts to bring Captain America to the silver screen or, or think about um, the Batman show from the sixties. I like yeah. the Batman. <laughs> I like the George Clooney Batman with those nipples with the nipples. Yeah. Oh, uh, not I figured not, that would be your favorite. Not today Ugh. guys. We can't, we can't, we can't. Let's not go there. That, shall okay? we? <laughs> but my, my point, my point uh, being is that there have been previous attempts to bring comic book costumes to life that just, they they don't translate to the screen and, and it's just it's it doesn't look good but somehow the <laughs> the wizards at disney <laughs> have made it look incredible and i, or I don't are think are they the, witches i don't think the the costuming and set dressing departments over at disney uh, get enough credit for their incredible work oh, because yeah. they 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 really bring these larger than life characters to life. Yeah, the costumes and the makeup. I mean, how do they do Vision? How many hours does he have to sit there? Oh, it's I mean, a lot. Plus, they layer a lot of VFX over him. Too. Oh yeah, that's I mean, so it's, crazy. Yeah, because you can I mean, see when they do close-ups, you can see like little brush strokes or little like threads. The texture, like, yeah, the texture. Yeah, it's so incredible. It is. I mean, oh, and real quick. The number of Wizard of Oz references uh, in this episode were like were crazy. I mean, actually, there's been a few throughout the show. I mean, one of them was I think I brought up before uh, Agatha's mother's name in the flashback is Evanora, which is the Wicked Witch uh, of the East's name. Right. Yeah. And the in the books and the in the. Wizard of Oz. I, I do like that she went full Wicked Witch of the West um, yeah. in these last couple episodes. It makes me happy. Totally yeah, and did. the funny thing is, Scarlet Witch in Westview, and she is basically viewed by Westview as the villain. So she is the Wicked Witch of Westview. And truly, there is no place like home. Yes! And there is no place like in the, in the, you know, of course, the shot of her boots under the car. Right. Uh, that was such a great like like you were saying, I was half expecting him to shrivel up from the toes. You know? Yeah. And, and it was so <laughs> it was such a callback. The very first time I watched it, I was on the couch with my daughter. We're watching it, it was like, oh, her toes are going to shrivel up. You know, and, the uh, second I saw that scene. It's like I knew and, that was a reference. And in the Halloween episode, I mean, uh, you know, uh, uh, Agnes's or I guess Agatha's costume was the Wicked Witch right. from the Wizard of Oz costume. Yeah. So just and, the, uh, and that's the first time we got her cackle. And, uh, you know, the the Oz, the great and powerful on the the marquee um, when right. uh, Wanda opens opens Westview up um, so that people can get out like and, and like the marquee starts changing all around. Um, so that appeared real quick as a fun like wink <laughs> to everybody. Yeah, yeah, and and it is also a Sam Raimi directed movie too. So and Another he's going to be directing wink. Doctor Strange. Oh, guys, who is Bruce Campbell going to play? Oh, he's obviously going to be in it, and he's obviously going to get like hit in the face or something. <laughs> well, maybe not, but um, I, that'll be fun to see his his. I hope he has a cameo. <laughs> Yeah, how can he not? There's, there's been no, uh, there's been no news talking about this. No, no casting announcement because he's technically retired. 
Um, yeah, but he'll come on. He'll come do it. He'll, <laughs> he was in Spider-Man. He was the usher or whatever well, in the one Spider-Man movie. Um, is, I, I didn't I, didn't, I haven't heard about him retiring. He was. Oh, I speci- sorry. He specifically retired the character of Ash. Uh, right. Yeah, but I, I think he's still acting and still doing stuff. Okay, in my, yeah, in my I, brain, in the past I'm like, years, I've been watching that Ash versus <laughs> Evil Dead show. Oh, such a good show. Yeah, so. and and when that show came to an end, when it was not renewed for a fourth season, he has retired. Oh, I didn't Ash. know that. I'm so sad now. Sorry, you guys. <laughs> we were sad too. Well, thanks for pant load. It's been an emotional day, guys. <laughs> but, <laughs> emotional but day. But yeah, he. Uh, uh, I. I mean, that doesn't mean that he. I. I would love to see him in in the next Doctor Strange. It would be so nice to have him in another Marvel movie. That would be fun. It, like it, even if they do a lot of multiverse stuff, they like how cool would it be to like flash through and show him with like his chainsaw hand, like just for half a second oh, yeah. or something. <laughs> I don't think it's gonna happen. But it won't. Cool. But it'd be amazing. Yeah. Okay. So last couple of things, guys, um, lady and gentlemen. Uh, so that mid credit scene with uh, Monica, where she comes, she's talking mm-hmm. to Jimmy for a second, and I'm having like strong, like, uh, I want like the the Jimmy Woo, Monica Rambo, Dr. De- uh, Dr. Darcy, you know, X-Files right. spinoff. Yeah, <laughs> like, I, I would pay so much money to see that. I um, totally would. So good. Um, so good. Also, Jimmy Woo came through like <laughs> he totally did man we didn't yeah. talk about it but like he got apprehended and then like had that excellent moment where he he managed to bluff hayward and then you know steal a phone and then was able to call backup for the fbi after it, bluffing like mad it, it was, was amazing. so funny he's like can you get here say within the hour they'll <laughs> be here like within the hour to... you're bluffing yeah. am i i definitely am <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was so good. I he's really that character's really grown on me since Ant-Man and the Wasp. Uh, um and you know, we only got just the barest, you know, taste of Dr. Darcy. I keep calling her Dr. Darcy. Dr. Darcy. Well, Dr. She Lewis. is a doctor, so she is now. She is. So but I mean she, Yeah. <laughs> you know, I do wish we'd have gotten a little bit more from her, but I it wasn't necessary, I guess. Uh but I just I just love her. And I I, I, I mean, think she's been, gonna be it would have been hmm? a really fun maybe maybe tonally inappropriate but it would have yeah. been really fun for her and wanda to have a face-to-face and to have darcy be like oh my gosh big fan that wasn't necessarily appropriate given right, the, exactly. the emotional undertone of the episode that's what i mentioned earlier you know this show this whole season has been like an origin story for multiple characters but i also think it's cementing Jimmy the biggest Boo. origin story, in my opinion, is Ralph Boner. Uh, yeah, Boner. Want to see what? No, uh, you want to see what that Boner can do? Uh, oh my God! Oh! I'm sorry, I brought it up. Oh, should we go back to the tentacle? Continue, continue with what you're saying. Uh, yeah, I said uh, we were never going to speak of that again. Just yeah. moving on. <laughs> I apologize, um, but no, I think it's also cementing Jimmy Woo and Darcy's role in the future. Yeah, you. I think because, we're going to see him again, both of them. Because I didn't recognize, I wasn't a huge fan of the first two Thor movies, as were at least four other people, from what I've heard. But when Darcy appeared in this show, a lot of people were like, oh, it's the Thor girl. You know, because they recognize her, and I was like, oh, that is that girl. But she is fantastic, and I think this show is just an origin of her reintroduction 
to the MCU, and we will be seeing more of her and Jimmy Woo. Woo who? Woo who? I think I think we will see more of them. Um, but but you know, okay. So in this mid credit scene, uh, this you know this like FBI agent comes and she's like, "Hey, so people want to talk to you in here?" And she goes into the movie theater, and I was not in that moment thinking, "Oh, there's going to be a scroll," and that there was a scroll. And clear, you know, she says, you know, a old friend of your mom's heard you've been grounded and wants to talk to you. She says where she points up, presumably to space and uh, obviously teeing her up for Captain Marvel, too. Right. Definitely. But like, you know, she said an old friend of your mom's. And I immediately thought, oh, well, that's probably Fury, because we also saw that he was like on that space station or whatever at the post credit scene for Sp- the last Spider-Man movie. But it could also be. Captain Marvel herself, or even Talos. Yeah, it honestly, it could be any of them. <laughs> I mean, really, I mean, they're all part of the same team. So I think it's just like, yeah, we're doing some cool stuff up here. Uh, we have a Mercedes with an astronaut in it and a Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy book. And we're going to go up here and you're going to see all sorts of fantastic. And I think part of the movie, I don't know how big a part of Captain Marvel 2 is going to have to like deal with like whatever feelings she's having about uh, Carol, who apparently, you know, didn't come back to like see her mom when she got sick or visit her or, you know, anything else. Right. So yeah. that'll be an interesting part uh, of that movie, I think. And like thinking about it now, like we've already gotten a bit of uh, a bit of Monica Rambeau in this show. We're going to get some Miss Marvel. And so, like, I'm trying to, like, understand, like, what that movie's going to be. <laughs> you it's going to be my pitch. I keep telling you. <laughs> <laughs> that is going to be so awesome. I'm We're going to have to revisit that. Yeah, I can't. I can't wait to see what they do. I'm yeah, I did wish we saw more of Monica in this episode. That was one of my you yeah. know, attractions from the episode. But. Overall, I was happy with the way it worked out and the way it ended, but I'm okay with it because it really did have to focus on Wanda, you know, and and her family. And so I, yeah. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I, and and that's what it did. And I think that there's a lot of people who had a lot of theories about how this was going to wrap up. And you had the director out a few days ago, I guess, giving interviews like, I think some people might be disappointed from many of the crazy theories that I'm seeing online, trying to like maybe manage expectations a little bit. Um, And, you know, I have to say, like, I enjoy coming up with the theories and everything, but I'm not like I try and not let that weigh me down. I'm not disappointed at all. Oh, yeah, me neither. I'm just saying, like, yeah. My my biggest critique of the series overall is that I wanted more Monica and Wanda interactions because they mm. were both going through uh, a, a very a very recent grieving process. And so yeah, we we do get this moment of the two of them being like, oh okay, yeah, like no, I I totally get it. I might have done the same thing if I could. Um, so we had that moment, but I was hoping that was going to be a little bit more pivotal as opposed to just one conversation at the right the the yeah because basically right. at the end of this episode or at the end of this uh series wanda or not wanda but monica just woke up a week ago three and weeks. found out her three mom weeks, died yeah. you know yeah yeah it's so. it's been less than a month She's yeah. she's she's in a parallel, you know, situation with Wanda and part of the way that they teased out, you know, the themes of grief and and so on uh, were, you know, in kind of contrasting those two characters. And, you know, they they did kind of talk about it like a little bit. But you, you I, I 
probably would have liked to see a little more of that too. And in fact, I probably would have liked to seen like a few more minutes in like any given episode of this show. But I am t- I am pretty happy with the way that it turned out. I think it's yeah. pretty strong. Overall, no, uh, yeah, it's a great show. Agreed. Agreed. Um, so then there's this post credit scene, which, you know, we come up like over the mountain. I mean, and technically, we didn't talk about the, the destruction of Wanda's home but um, and, and saying goodbye to Vision, although we've talked Oh, God. It. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let, let's let's do that really quick, because this is, you know, this is really the emotional culmination of this yeah. whole show, right? This is what Whoops. made us all cry. Let's, yeah, I was going to say, when are, I when are we going to talk about the fact that we all wept? I understand that this show is about dealing with grief, and you blocked that out, but let's work through You're it like, together. Moving on! <laughs> My Wanda moment there. Yeah, um, no, but like yeah i think you know after that fight and she and she really gives agatha her punishment which i think we all agree is very um appropriate i it's, guess for her it's it's a good way dokey neighbor it's a good way like don't get me wrong it's torturous um but it's a good way to to put like a villain aside in a way where they're not going to hurt anybody, but also they get their just desserts, but we can also bring them back later if need be. Yes. So it, it fits yeah. all those criteria. And, and it's again, perfect too, because uh, Agatha, that was the role she chose to, you know, right. pull the wool over Wanda's eyes. And that's, how she tried to gain control of Wanda. So it's only perfect that Wanda puts her back and, in that exact role. And as you mentioned, um, oh my gosh, Catherine Hahn's acting is so perfect oh, so in good. this moment. I am in and love. Even, yeah, even though she's going like, okie dokie, neighbor, like, you ooh, hot see, stuff. You know, the screaming pain, you know, <laughs> yeah. behind her eyes and, so and the good. strain. Oh, yes. It's like somehow she does that. But I okie think like, out of <laughs> <laughs> But I think that, you know, when she took the whammy off of all the townsfolk there in the in the square and they all confronted Wanda, like that was something that, oh, that, was horrifying. that Wanda needed to go through to get to where she is at the end of this show where she yeah. where she really does decide to bring down the hex and let go of her family there. Now, as we're going to talk about in the post credit scene, I think she's still working on getting them back, but she recognized that she just can't, you know, keep these people under her spell because it's it's horrifying and terrifying for them and, you know, it's it's actually hurting them and torturing them. And you know, she was for a long time. I think she was in denial about all that, mm-hmm. but she finally managed to break through. And part of it was the fact that she had to confront that how horrible it really was for them, because in her mind, I think, as she said to them, she was you know trying to keep the whole town safe. But that's not, you know, really what everybody well, wanted. Yeah, it, it's funny because like even though I think because she was projecting this fantasy onto all of them, I think she thought that everybody was if if not fine with it and enjoying themselves, like then at the very least that they were unconscious of what was going on. Right. But what what they what they conveyed to her is just no you're not uh like what you've done isn't projecting this fantasy onto us what we're doing is experiencing your pain (laughs) Mm -hmm. and i don't think that that's ultimately what she realized she was doing and when Dottie, aka actual name sarah 
uh, is the first one to lose the whammy and she comes forward and she's like and she's pleading with Wanda to let her child out of her room so she can see her and hold her and like oh if it's a, if it's a plot line you would like maybe they could be friends with your kids and like or, yeah. or even the school like, bully just let if me that, hold if that's her right. right I mean it was it was that was heartbreak and I think that really was something that got through to Wanda because she was like I have kids too let them free and I don't think Wanda could ignore that. And so right. that, and then following that, she had that, like I said earlier, that emotional outburst. She was just overwhelmed, just ah, screamed out and lashed out and inadvertently put those, you know, choker holds on everyone's neck and then realized, Oh, I'm killing everyone. So she, well, she reversed. Yeah. I mean, and this is also showing how untrained she is and she doesn't really right. have total control of her powers. It's kind of like, you know, her emotions and her subconscious are activating them. And so that, you know, that was all interesting. And that plays into the uh, the post credit scene. And later when she says, uh, doesn't she say something like, I don't understand this power that I have, but I will. Like she says something like that. Yeah, exactly. Um. So. So, you know, I thought so then, you know, she takes her family home after she decides the hex has got to come down and yeah. it starts shrinking. Biz, yeah, she took them like... home to murder them. No, that's Crime. not happened. That's not Crime. accurate. That's not Viz, accurate. Viz, and, and before they go, Viz is like, you know, it, you know, it's going to be OK for everybody, but not for us. And yeah. she. Yeah. And they come to that understanding and, you know, they they come home and they, you know, morph into their like suburban clothing and like at like it got so quiet once they walk into the house and it was uh, like i was like starting to like get emotional like right then just as they're like walking into the house because you know that she's about to let them go right mm -hmm. yeah and uh they go up and they tuck in the kids and she you know she says that stuff about how you know families forever we can never really leave each other even if we try i think that's you know a hint that she's not totally letting them go yet you know, and that she's going to try and find a way. But like they're acting in this scene and like Paul Bettany, when they finally say their goodbyes to the kids and they walk to the door. Vision's emotional, man. Like he says that thing where he's like, good night. And he almost like his voice cracks. Yeah, you can. Right. You guys caught that. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's so good. No, like. Uh, all the bits in this series that made me cry, almost all of them, like 90, 80, 90 percent of them were because of him and his acting. <laughs> and yeah, it's that's just, so good. That's, that's one thing about Paul Bettany. It's like I in the Iron Man movies, I didn't recognize his voice. But by that time, I knew who Paul Bettany was and I loved him as an actor. And then later in Age of Ultron, when he actually became physical and was more than just a voice, I was like, oh, my God, that's been Paul Bettany all along. <laughs> and Maybe I the real Paul Bettany was the friends we yeah. made. Well, the, the real friends. Paul Bettany, please stand up. But no, he is such a great actor and I've loved him for decades and he's done so many cool roles and he really puts himself into all of them. And this is no less than one of his best. It's, it's so incredible. The emotion he can bring playing a computer, ro Android robot, whatever, you know, you know, he's got synthesoid. Ears, carbon -based synthesoid. Synthesoid. Yeah. He's, he's such a fantastic actor. Both of them just really killed it in this show. This whole yeah. show, this whole show. And I Everyone was. Everyone is so talented. Yeah. And they when brought, I watched Everybody this, brought their A game. 
everybody. And when I first watched this episode, you know, last night, I think I was like tears were coming out of my eyes, you know, because she know like when she looks up through the window of the kid's bedroom and sees the wall coming of the, you know, the hex, like even just that gave me goosebumps, you know, and then she's downstairs having that conversation with vision. And he, and when he says, you know, what, what am, am I? I? Like even th- like the whole thing was heartbreaking, you know, and she expl- she says she lays it out. She's like, you know, you are you are this, you are that you're the part of the mind stone that your muscles and bones and the construct of my mind. But mostly you're my love. And, right. it, you know, it really brought to mind that line that Vision had in her flashback where he said, you know, what is grief but love persevering? Beautiful line. That's mm-hmm. like Mwah. and then absolutely perfect. Yeah. And That's then chef's kiss, you know, and and then he vanishes in her ha- in her arms, basically. So and, long, darling. Oh, yeah. And well, and of course, he has that line, too, where he says, you know, I was I, I used to be a voice without form. And then I was a memory ma- brought back to life. And then I was this. Yeah. And- specifically, it's I was a voice. I've been a voice without a body. I've like then I, I was a body, but not human. Um, and then now after he sheds a single tear, I'm a memory made real. Who knows yeah. what I'll be next? And it's just, Who knows? it yeah. was oh. absolutely stellar. Um, the writing for vision. I know that people have been making fun of that, um, grief line, uh, like all week long. Um, but like, oh, honestly, no. the writing, making fun of it. Ugh. Yeah. Yeah. yeah online, those like, are trolls. It's, become, it's become a meme. Um, but like it, I think the reason why people are like there was backlash against that line is because it is so good and it moved people emotionally and people just don't like admitting to feeling things. I mean, Um, listen. So the writing for Vision this season has been absolutely stellar. And yeah, we have said goodbye before. We'll say hello again. So we will say hello again. That is perfect. And of course, we know White Vision is out there somewhere, like dealing with everything at this point, you know. And so, you know, I I do have a hope inside me that he will reconnect with Wanda. And even if it's a different vision, he's also vision, right? So I don't know. I mean, there's something really beautiful and emotional about that final scene. And yeah, it brought me to tears. I'll admit it. I'm a man. Same here. Cried like a baby. I actually, I didn't cry at all. Uh, sitting on my couch, uh, watching it uh, multiple times with my children and my brother, but uh, listening to you guys crying kind of made me tear up a bit. So I'm not yeah, a, well, not afraid to admit. We're the ones who bring you emotion, apparently. I know. Uh, we just bully you into feeling what we Aside from that, I'm just a white vision with no emotions or feelings whatsoever. <laughs> super super interested to see how his story plays out but okay so finally we have our post credit scene and you know i found it so interesting that it, first of all you made this reference uh megan to the shining because it really <laughs> is so shining ass the way it comes in through the mountains and then it comes in on this this cabin and i you know all those markings on the outside really did remind me of like more glyphs so right away, I'm thinking, oh, she's learning more, you know, and she, she's like making her tea and she comes in. And then we see I it seems very much like that's like her in her astral form, you it's know, that we saw from Doctor yeah. Strange. And she's, you know, studying through that book in her, you know, very, very Scarlet Witchy form. So it it 
interestingly how like I was I found it interesting how her astral form is her Scarlet Witch getup, right? Right. Kind of indicating that maybe that's her true form or she's accepting it or something like that. And then she's, you know, paging through these things, learning, studying. And then we hear her kids saying, help, mom, help us or whatever. And then we get this like a musical cue of the Doctor Strange theme. Right. And so, you know, obviously she's going to be in Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. Right. Yay. And I I'm assuming that her search for her kids and a way to bring them back is going to be what causes the multiverse issues that Doctor Strange is going to have to deal with. Hmm. And I feel more strongly now than ever. And I, you know, I've been talking about this for a while that she's going to be some kind of antagonist in the next Doctor Strange movie. I don't know if she's going to be a villain per se, like I want to destroy the world and like, it, oh man, it might that be is like, so crazy. I mean, it might be like Civil War where it's like nobody here uh, with the exception of the, the clearly bad guy. Nobody here is the bad guy. It's just conflicting opinions and agendas. So um, you guys are telling me that we're going to see Wanda versus Doctor Strange. Mm, I don't know if it'll Possibly. be like a knockdown drag out like actual fight. It might be one of those, like, we're going to punch each other in the face a bunch of times and be like, oh, we have a common enemy and move on from there. When you think of the when you think of the visuals in Doctor Strange, the the idea of the Scarlet Witch and Doctor Strange going head to head fills me with a lot of glee. Uh, That makes me very, very happy at that thought, because I think that would make for an absolutely excellent fight. Um But yeah, it it makes total sense. Like if she's going to start dabbling in magic, which she she is because she's magic in an unsanctioned way that could potentially mm-hmm. affect the the fabric of the universe. That is something where Doctor Strange is going to feel like he has the authority to step in on. Yeah. And that's because his, that's his deal. <laughs> yeah, that's his deal. And, and, you know, and, you know, Agatha said that the Scarlet Witch is even more powerful than the Sorcerer Supreme. Nice name drop there. Yeah, but he studied for a little bit longer than her, so it, it, it could true. very well be an even fight. Right, but you know this. You know, you know, we'll have to speculate on Doctor Strange sequel at some at some point. But like, I, I feel like she is going to be even if she doesn't have evil intent, she's going to be causing problems that Doctor Strange has to deal with, and ultimately for her, it's going to be like her goal as it has been, is going to be like, I want my family back and you're not going to stop me. I figured out, you know, these ways that, you know, maybe I can make it happen. And if you're going to try and stop me, then like, you know, we're going to have to. And he's you know, like, have- with the book of the damned? Speaking of, did you guys see what um, Gabriel Luna uh, tweeted out the other night? <laughs> after no, the episode? no. Uh, he's the actor who played Robbie Ray as in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And, you know, he he you know ghost rider took the dark hold back to hell mm-hmm. okay y'all i'll admit it under my mattress may not have been the best hiding place hashtag the dark hold, hashtag- <laughs> good one robbie uh <laughs> no that's that that's funny um but i mean i really am see that's the thing about the dark hold too because i don't think they necessarily like if it was just gonna be 
Wanda developing her powers, right? And and that's what plays into the next movie or whatever. I don't think they necessarily needed the Darkhold, which tells me that like they have multiple reasons for including this, you know, MacGuffin or whatever in the MCU now. And I I really wonder if part of Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness is going to be like, well, Wanda is kind of doing what uh, Cathan or whatever, whoever created the book, you know, has planned or wants her to do so that he can enact his like more evil agenda and whether that'll play into it. You know what I mean? It's also possible that um, she's just going to be sitting here minding her own business, you know, doing her reading and studying up and somebody looking for the Darkhold is going to come to mm. her. And so, you know, Doctor Strange could appear to be like, ah, I'm <laughs> I'm trying to intervene or something. And she's like, wait a minute, aren't you that guy that like showed up right after <laughs> my husband died? Who are you? <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. She'd barely know who he is, probably. Yeah. Like we hung uh. out at the funeral for like a second but we didn't speak to each other uh but no it yeah so i i could definitely see a scenario where it's her messing with things that that bring you know brings her Mm -hmm. to the attention of dr strange since he keeps tabs on potential troublemakers as we saw with uh loki but like it's also entirely possible that just her having the dark hold makes her a target or just her having the power that she has makes her a target exactly and if i may uh venture one more uh supposition about the dr strange movie and him and that character himself like i feel like he must have been watching the events of wandavision at, at some point i mean that hex got so big that he probably could look out his window and see it from across the river or well whatever. he yeah he's in new york right so <laughs> right, yeah he's in greenwich village and so- uh yeah, he, he maybe he was close enough to get a broadcast. <laughs> I mean, I, I would well, be maybe surprised he if he wasn't. Maybe he doesn't have, maybe he's just on Wi-Fi. I well, know. I mean, I just, I feel like he, he probably was watching it, but he ultimately decided that he didn't need to get involved. Um, I you mean, know, for... it's entirely possible that he witnessed this anomaly, you know, from, from New York and went, what's going on there? Um, but yeah, and then, you know, after a couple of days the uh, of observing it, the anomaly disappeared and he's like, okay, okay. it's gone now. That was <laughs> a thing. Should probably look into it. Yeah. <laughs> so... So, I, yeah, I just I, I feel like the connections to the next Doctor Strange movie are going to be uh, a lot of connections. And I I just have a feeling that he's keeping tabs on Wanda. I don't know if he's going to be able to watch her as closely as he might like to, given that she's learning more and she like had some glyphs on the outside of her cabin or whatever. But it just it just seems like uh, I mean, she's confirmed to appear in the movie. Um, it'll be it'll be funny if uh, Doctor Strange two multiverse of madness starts with Doctor Strange just chilling on the couch and he you know picks up a remote and turns on the TV and he's like oh what's this show WandaVision and he watches the first couple episodes and, he's like, oh. <laughs> and then episode four comes along and he's like wait a second what's going on here yeah <laughs> and he watches it like we did. But I um, I really, 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 really enjoyed this whole show, um, you know, despite a couple quibbles I have with like a thing here or a thing there. I think it wraps up really, really well. Everyone had quibbles, but overall they were overruled by just the mastery and brilliant presentation of the show overall. 
if you take WandaVision, you know, the show, the series as a whole and put it in like slotted in, you know, next to all the other like parts of the MCU that the movies that we've gotten so far. Um, it's, I think, one of my favorite installments it's, of the yeah, MCU. It's, this it's, it's definitely. I think it's probably in my top 10. I mean, if I. Oh, if I, easily. If I was pressed to, to rank it. Um, and I but, think part of that is like we talked. I don't know if we talked about it here, but we talked about it in the watch through the weekly installment and having actual more um, content makes it so much more potent and excellent. It's like, I'd rather have this, you know, 20 or 30 or 40 minute episodes versus a two hour movie every three or four months. I think it gives us the, the chance to really get deeper into the show because we're not just being like, all right, next. And then, you know, we don't think about the, yeah, and they can really flesh out the characters and work on all these underlying storylines. I think it's fantastic. What are, what are your final thoughts on this show, Megan? Uh, yeah, no, this, this was a wonderful experience. You know, I said it at the top of the show. It was solid all the way around for, you know, we all have our nitpicks. Um, you know, CGI in places could have been a little bit better, but, you know, television, television, uh, television budget, for the most part, this felt like an MCU movie um, from beginning to end. Uh, I loved the homages. I loved the the winks and nods to um, – different things within within the Marvel universe, whether it's the comics, the MCU. Um, I love not the, even the Marvel universe, but Wizard of Oz. Yeah, ex- that, <laughs> you beat me to it because I, I love the Wizard of Oz winks. The only thing, um, like I said, I wish we could have had more with Monica and Wanda bonding and becoming friends. I wish we could have had more of that. I wish we could have more Woo Darcy um, <laughs> adventures. <laughs> um, and if I could have one or two more episodes where we got into sitcom shenanigans, I think it would have been fun to have them do like the animated family comedy um, <laughs> or the straight up, you know, how so many sitcoms um have done musical episodes. I think right, a right. musical episode or an animated episode. I was waiting added- for the ALF episode. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. I don't know how that would work. No, but like, uh, obviously- that would be a new origin story. Obviously, we were sticking with a very specific type of sitcom. Um, yeah. But like, if we could have gotten an animated family sitcom or uh, <laughs> or a musical episode, that would have taken my my ranking from an the Rick and Morty a, episode. Basically. I don't I don't need a Rick and Morty episode. I need a Simpsons yeah, yeah. episode. Oh, there you go. Oh, yeah, my. yeah, that would have been uh, era appropriate. But no, yeah. I, I. But like, if we had gotten those those. Those changes, it would have taken my rating from an 8 to a 10. Mm. But that being said, this was a thoroughly enjoyable experience. And I think they did a fantastic job. Excellent acting. Excellent excellent emotional heart at the center of everything. Mm -hmm. And yeah, yeah, just all in all, I'm so happy that we got this show. And I can't wait to see more Marvel stuff in the future. 
You and me both, uh, we're going to leave it there. Uh, thanks, everybody, for listening to this episode of Mecha Dragon. Please stop by Apple Podcasts or your choice of podcasting platform and leave us a five-star review and or rating. That really does help the show out. And uh, Megan, would you like to tell the fine folks at home or wherever they may be listening how they can find you online and what you're up to? Yes, you guys can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at the Menguin. That's T-H-E-M-E-N-G-U-I-N. I have a YouTube channel called Silver Screams where my co-host and I talk about horror things. I do a Lost retrospective podcast called No Love Lost where my co-host Will Link loves Lost and I don't and we talk <laughs> about it. And uh, I'm also a member of Rooster Team Radio where me and my co-host talk about Rooster Teeth related productions, usually the animated stuff. And guys, right now we are getting into the tale end of ruby volume eight and things have gotten crazy Whoa. so go check those out volume eight wow i remember when that show started mm. all right jess would you like to give the folks at home our social media details i sure would if you guys are on the internet uh type in uh mechadragon.net and that's where you'll find us and all of our links which will lead you to our podcast which you can find on every platform that uh hosts only the best podcast, which is where you'll find us. Anchor, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, CastBox, Stitcher, whatever you want. Please give us a thumbs up, a like, five-star rating and review. Tell all your friends. And if you're on Facebook, we are Mecha Dragon. If you're on Twitter or Instagram, we are at Mecha Dragon Show. And if you have questions, comments, corrections, or topics... Email us at mechadragonshow at gmail.com and we will see you hopefully in the future. All right, everybody. Take care. Bye. Our music is Overworld by Kevin McLeod from incompetech.com, licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0, creativecommons.org slash licenses slash buy slash 3.0.